This week on Mind Matters, part two of Dr. Greg Smalley as he speaks with Rita Schulte about marriage. You know, shutting that down that maybe you felt that I didn't I didn't value how you felt. Yes, that's exactly right. Mm. I mean, that honestly took us like five minutes as a conversation just to go, man, you matter. How did you feel? You matter. How did you feel? And then there there wasn't a solution. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, we just, we went on. <laughs> well, but I think couples don't do that. And so the, all that resentment builds up into closed hearts. Our mind is a terrible thing to waste. You cannot define yourself in reference to other external coordinates. You must define yourself internally with your relationship with a higher entity. Stop it! Your mind matters. So come on in and join us. How would a couple start a journey of reconnection? What's a great first step? Yeah, I think just understanding for for you uniquely what what is the cause of the disconnect? Is it is it that we poorly manage conflict? Is it that we're so tired that we have no energy to connect? Is it that we're just in a super busy season, you know, starting a new business or whatever to where, again, we just don't have time? Is it that, you know, we don't feel safe with each other? Is it that, you know, we're, we're you know, physically not not connecting in and have a sexless marriage? I mean, it's important. And that's why we give a little assessment at the beginning just for a couple just to think that through, like what mm-hmm. are what's really going on? You know, when Aaron and I were just in a really disconnected season, you know, for us, it was, we had young kids. So we were busy and exhausted graduate school. Aaron was in graduate school. She was also working as a nurse. I mean, we just had so much going on that, that if you can't diagnose why, then you're not sure really then where to attack the problem or how to attack the problem because each each one of those are a little bit different. You know, if it's that I'm exhausted, well, okay, figure out what gives you rest in life. If it's that we're not doing conflict well, okay, how do we really learn how to repair a conflict? So, so th- that's the first place is to go, okay, why are we not connecting? And then and then target that and and just broaden it out from there and just start to have some, some reconnection. And it just, that's, it'll, it'll mushroom from there. Yeah. I love because communication is a real problem in marriage. I see that Mm -hmm. as a huge struggle for uh, the clients I see. And as I said before, it leads to a really lonely uh, relationship. And you say it's not about talking more necessarily. It's deeper than that. And you talk about four conversations that we should be aware of with our spouses. Can you talk about that? I especially love the idea of the life-giving talk, but can you run us through those? Yeah, because often when we say communication is the problem, we use one word to describe a whole bunch of different kinds of conversations that, that we should be having. And so, for example... Like one of these conversations is important is just it's a small talk. 
that's just when we're shooting the breeze and how was your day and what was going on? And in, in it, it doesn't require a whole lot of emotional vulnerability in, and we're going to spend a lot of time chewing the fat, you know, just in this, just a, at a high, you know, at a, at a, a less deep level, but, th- but there's value there. It, it creates a connection without requiring this deep emotional vulnerability, which, you know, we can't live. Well, my wife would argue, because she could probably live in a world where we were just deep deep all the time. Yeah, Yeah, I could not do that. Yeah. So so, that's so let me stop you there. I got to ask you, Okay, so is that just a man thing? Because I'm like Aaron then, you know, like I like deep conversation. I know people that I can have that with and I know others. They're just are just some people not as deep as others or is it just a men thing? What is it? Yeah, there's probably some you know, some gender differences there. I always like the 2080 rule that probably 80% of the time, it's probably going to be the female that that likes that deeper conversation, but there's 20% with good friends and they are exactly opposite. He loves the deep connection and she's yeah. like, ah, man, that wears me out. And it, it doesn't matter. So you're going to be married to someone who's probably going to be very different. And, and, and so, you know, it, it, so that, that small talk, serves a great purpose. We're still learning about each other. We're getting caught up on what was going on for the day. That's that's great, but that can't be all we do. You know, then there's 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 going to be a type of conversation that's this more connected to conflict. And you know, we've got to work through some issue. Something's gone up. We've had a sideways conversation. We're just super disconnected. In in so certainly a, a part of our conversation is working through a conflict. There's another type that I call work talk, and that's probably what's going to dominate all of our conversations. Who's picking up which kid at what time? Here's the task list. Here's our punch list. We got to work through that. We got to talk through this budget issue, and I think that most couples get stuck that most, if not all of their conversation is that work talk. Cause it takes a lot to manage a family. Mm. Like that's an important part of our communication is, is we do need to have these, we do need to administrate our marriage. We do need to have these business kind of meetings. But when we do a marriage event, we ask the audience, you know, think about percentages. What percent is small talk? What percent is work talk? What percent is conflict talk? And and then what percent is more of a life giving, deeper? Let's hear about your feelings and and what are you dreaming about? What's stressing you out? And and I tell you what, it always it is probably 80, 90 percent of our communication is that work talk. Work talk. And then you know, 10% is that small talk, and you know, five percent maybe or more is the conflict talk. But what what because all that stuff just happens like you really don't need to make those conversations happen. They're just good. They're going to happen. The one that 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 kills our connection if we don't have it is that life giving conversation to where, you know, we're taking 10 minutes every day and we're, we're, we're just exploring the inner life. Aaron, how are you feeling like she, she's great. We will be sitting like literally yesterday dinner. She'll always, so Annie and I, so that's who's left in our house or we have three kids that, that have launched, but 
she'll say, okay, three feeling words. And literally she has a feelings wheel list chart thing that's right there. We can, we pass it around and we go, oh, I'm feeling, you know, worn out. I'm feeling excited. I'm feel, whatever. There's one that's, that's sexy. And I always choose that one that I'm feeling sexy <laughs> is one of my feelings. But, but what's, what's great about that though, is that becomes a part of our 10 minutes is that we'll use some of that dinner time just to check in. How's everybody doing? And how you feeling? What's going on? In in the other, the my favorite way though, of how we make sure we're getting some life giving conversation, is to ask each other what was the high of your day. So what was the best part of your day, and then what was the lowest part of your day? What was the hard part of your day? In in Aaron and I've been doing a great job because we we we're like everybody else. I mean, this is hard, but but right before we go to bed, as we're laying in our bed. We usually just go high and low. What, what, what happened? And and it's great. And we we have a little ten minute conversation to where again I'm staying current. I'm rediscovering her. I'm hearing about what's hard, what what she's what's good, and you know all that. And so just I, I stay up on what is going on in my wife's life because that's where we feel the deeply connected. Is that I know her. She knows me. So how do you show up for her if she's sad? Like a lot of women feel like their husbands just, you know, they don't notice those things or they don't, you know, nurture those things. Just as an example, how do you show yeah. up with the different moods that she makes? Because she's an empath. She's yeah. more verbal and emotional. Yeah. Yeah, how do you show up for her? Yeah, I think the best thing that I ever learned and I'm so sad I didn't know this early in my marriage, is that when Erin wants to talk, I get her to, to tell me what is her goal. And so I'll simply say to her, okay, are you wanting me to listen right now? Or are you wanting me to help you solve something? And it's fantastic. And she'll go, oh, no, I just want you to listen. Therefore, I now have a very clear sense of how to be successful. Mm. Without that, I the the whole deep emotional it, it all confuses me. I'm not sure what to do, and and because I'm such a good problem solver, that I'll default to show her love by helping relieve her pain and solve whatever issue she's got going on. Mm-hmm. And and what I've learned to do is to not assume I know what she's wanting, and I just ask her. And sometimes she volunteers it. Hey, I want to tell you something. All you have to do is listen. I'm like, oh, praise God. (laughs) Now I know because now I know how to be successful. So if she says, you know, just listen, then the the Teddy Roosevelt quote just echoes in my brain, which he said, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Mm -hmm. So I know that all I need to do is this. I don't have to do anything other than to be present Mm -hmm. and just to, to have empathy to go. Wow. So it sounds like if I hear you right, you're, you're saying today you felt, you know, ignored, you know, by a, a good friend and that, and that just left you feeling like you don't matter. So, and she'll go, yeah. And then, you know, it's all I do is I simply repeat back what emotion I hear her talking about. And it just, honestly, for her, I probably wouldn't even need to do that. And she, she's so good at expressing her emotions, but, but what it does, it frames for me how I can best show up for her. And there are times that she goes, no, I, you got to help me solve this. And I'm like, you know, 
the hallelujah music goes off and, you know, I'll run to get my, you know, PowerPoint presentation so I can type out a, you know, whatever chart for her. And, but seriously, if she, if she tells me what she wants, or if I ask her what she wants, then I know how to deliver. And so, so I think for people who struggle around emotions, ask what your spouse wants. And if they say, I just want you to listen, then man, keep your mouth shut. Just yeah, that's in. yeah, that's a beautiful you know? point, Greg, because I think oftentimes for women, they just expect their spouse to know what they need and want. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with just asking the question, what is it you need? You know, hey, I need a hug or, you know, after you do what, like, come here, let me just give you a hug. Right. right? It's it's that, you know, the whole central tenant of attachment. Are you there for me when I need you? Right. Are you emotionally attuned, available and present with me in whatever I'm struggling with? Which I'm telling you, I, I I think that is one of the most important things that we can figure out in our marriage is how do I help Erin feel secure that I'm there for her mm. in those moments that she's hurting and in in and needs me to lean in and just be present? You know, am I really there? Mm. You know, early in our marriage. She probably didn't feel that way because I was, oh, I would debate how she felt. Well, wait, that doesn't make, what? I don't, I don't get how you would feel that way. Like logically that it seems like you should have felt this way. Or if it was dealing with me, then I'm defending going, that's ridiculous. I, I didn't do that. that. Like you're crazy. And, you know, calm down. I tell you, if if you can, as a husband, if you can remove the, remove the phrase, relax or calm down in any conversation with your wife, you are going to be a much more successful husband. Cause I had to learn that the hard way. I mean, I, you know, I, I honestly, at some point thought my job was to help regulate Aaron's emotions. Mm -hmm. Like I really believed that, that without me emotionally, she would go over the edge. Like I just knew there was going to be time that she would go over the edge and it was, who knows what would happen. Would she ever come back from that? Who knows? You're listening to a continuing uh, conversation with Greg Smalley that Rita Schulte had a few weeks ago on Mind Matters. I'm Richard Beatty, and if you would like more on this uh, subject and this conversation or any of our other shows, go to RitaSchulte.com. That's S-C-H-U-L-T-E.com. Okay, so what message do you think as a husband, and you walk that, many guys out there listening or wives, however we're playing this, the message she got when you said, calm down, relax. Yeah. What message did she get? I'm too much. I'm I, I'm unmanageable. I'm a freak. What, what, what do you think she believed? All of it. You're, you're crazy. Your emotions don't matter. That, that, that I want to control how you show up because I didn't know how to deal with my own emotions. Mm -hmm. So when I would tell her, hey, calm down, what I was really saying is that I don't feel comfortable right now dealing with emotions, period, yours, mine, anybody's. Like, I don't know how to be successful. So mm -hmm. I can just calm you down, then I'm okay. But it, it was all me. It was my inability to know what, what does it look like to really be there for her emotionally and lean in, not solve anything, but just, just, I, that's why I love, you know, in the, in the Bible where the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. You know, well, why was he weeping? Well, because his good friend Lazarus had died. So he shows up, the family's, you know, grieving, mourning. 
And I love that, that, that he knew how he was going to solve this problem. He was going to raise him from the dead. Like that's like, as a problem solver, like that, that's super impressive. Like that's a really good solve a solution. <laughs> I'm proud of that. But it always intrigued me. Okay. Why did he not just tell everybody, Hey, it's me, Jesus. I'm here. Like, calm down. I got this. Watch. Give me five minutes. I'm going to blow your mind. He didn't do that. He knew what he was going to do ultimately to solve the problem of Lazarus dying. What did he do though? First, he leaned in. Mm-hmm. And he was present with that family and he hurt with that family. Because again, it's that quote, people really don't care how you solve in whatever your solution is until they know that you care. Yeah. And, and that, I tell you, I had that little quote on my bathroom mirror for years because that's where I needed to grow. I just wasn't good at that. I don't think my, what, what, here's what changed me is when I, one day when one of my kids had fallen down and hurt themselves and I was standing right there and they got up crying and they started to run, they're running right towards me. I put my arms out open wide and he literally ran around me right to Aaron. Wow. And it was because I would be the one prone to go, well, yeah. Of course, you hurt yourself. You were, you know, horsing around or you were, you know, I would lecture. Mm-hmm. What would she do? So I turned around and I just went, well, gosh, what am I invisible? And then I noticed what she did. She's picked him up, held him, didn't yeah. say a word, just love, give him a smooch wherever it hurt. And then that... set him down. He might be corrected some behavior, but I, it was, that was a paradigm shift for me going, I don't do that. That's and, so powerful. And that became the mark of success for me is when, you know, because now when my kids are hurt, whatever, if me or Aaron, whoever's closest, they're going to go to. But I had to work at that. Like I had to really build that part because it just wasn't natural for me. Wow. That's so cool, Greg. As you've been talking about this, I was thinking about that story you told in the book. Um <clears throat> Like you had this aha moment when you were talking to Ron Deal, because, you know, we've been talking about, well, you know, what gets in the way? I defend myself. I can't admit that I did something wrong. You would bombard people to wear them down. You're talking about how you did with your parents. And then you had this thing with Aaron. You're talking to Ron Deal. Uh, And the reason I loved it is because I think not only do we need to be aware of our stuff, we have to be convicted of our stuff. That's not our spouse's job. It's God's job. But can you share about that and what happened with you and and how that played out? Because that was a really cool story, how you just really, I guess God just grabbed a hold of you and said, hey, you're walking in pride here. Yeah. So Aaron and I got in this big argument around our son. And so Garrison and I had been watching basketball all weekend and he didn't get homework done. So Sunday night, she comes down to the basement as we're watching basketball and says to Garrison, hey, I know you had this big project. You got it done. No, but I'll do it. And so they get into this argument. Well, I, because I'm an idiot, thought that it was the right time to say, hey, Aaron, you're being a little hard on Garrison there. <laughs> and, and it was like every scary movie to where the person's head slowly, you know, rotates and so she said, Garrison, you can go up and do your homework. You're dead. And I need to talk. And I was like, and you're like, oh, oh boy, man, <laughs> how am I in trouble now? But as we talked in it, typical pattern, she's saying this, I'm defending, you know, all that. I just wore her down. And finally, she's like, listen, I got to go to bed. I'm just I'm tired. So I, I basically won 
by attrition. I just wore her down. So she's heading up the stairs and she stops and he goes, oh, yeah. Hey, and by the way, your mother warned me that this is how you were going to act when we fought. Ouch. What? <laughs> but honestly, it didn't. I, you know, I didn't get offended by it. I, I actually went in my mind. So Aaron leaves and I thought, geez, is that really true? Like, is, I, is that how I've been for, you know, 20, however many years that had been back then? And so later the next day I, we were getting ready and I said, Hey, is that like, is, is seriously, like, did you really mean that? Or was that just something you said in the midst of conflict? She's like, listen, I probably shouldn't have said it, but I'm like, no, but is that, has that been your experience? She goes, well, honestly, that's how I experience you. That when I try to bring something up, you just dig in and it, we end up in this long drawn out conversation. I just get worn out. So I was telling that story to Ron Deal, a good friend of ours. And, and he, so as I'm going and I don't know what to do. And, you know, and, and he just said, well, man, it just sounds to me, it sounds like the issue is just pride. And, wow. and I was like, what? He goes, yeah, I think what's going on for you is that, you know, you get super prideful when, you know, in the midst of conflict and, you know, and it says God opposes the proud, but then he said, and so will you, so will Aaron, so will your wife. Mm. And it was that literally like this light bulb went off and I'm, I'm thought that is, <laughs> that is absolutely, I feel that she's, she's opposed to me when we get into that. And so I just, I spent some time just praying about it and just, you know, over the course of uh, maybe a week or whatever, but, but I really began to see that, that you know, is, 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 is conflict happens and our hearts shut down, our hearts shut down. You know, we start to manufacture pride because I don't want that stuff to be true. And I want Aaron to see me as successful and all that. But what it, what it really made me understand is, 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 is pride like Philippians two, three talks about do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Well, vain conceit means when we're excessively proud of our own opinion and that's where I get stuck. Wow. Right. I know I'm right. I'm very proud of how I see life and my perspective. And I just need to convince her that that she's wrong and I'm right. And so that that's where I, that's how pride manifests with me. And in and obviously that verse goes on to you know talk about then do nothing out of those things, but but in but with humility, you know, consider others to be more important. So what it what it helped me to do is it gave me again a target to go, okay, how do I quickly in the midst of conflict go from the pride, the vain conceit, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm going to convince you how, and, and really move into humility. Mm. And because, you know, because it said God gives his grace to the humble and so will your spouse. And, I love and, that. and it's, it's true. I mean, I've, I've watched it when I, when I can get my heart back open by spending some time first with the Lord. You know, sometimes I'll go, hey, and by the way, this is your daughter. You made her. This is your fault. You know, you figure it out. You convict. I mean, but when I really settle in to go, God, yeah, what am I missing here? Like, what, what's my part of this? I mean, that that's when humility begins to take place. And with a humbled heart, you know, boy, that that's when then I'm able to listen. I mean, that when our heart is humbled and open, that's where God's fruit of the spirit is. He's loving through me. That's when all the kindness and the tenderness and 
that's when that stuff shows up. It doesn't show up because I make it happen. It's because I get my heart open and let God do his thing through me. Yeah. And what's the fruit of that with Aaron? When, when, when you humble yourself to your wife, what fruit do you see? Yeah. Well, first of all, it feels safe to her. And when people feel safe, their hearts open. Mm -hmm. So as Aaron experiences me humble, it feels safer to her. She's open. And then she extends grace. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Then she's, you know, yeah. Okay. So tell yeah, what was going on for you? Then, mm-hmm. then she starts asking me and then it's like, we've restored our, our team, our team smallly, you know, that because so often in the midst of conflict, all of a sudden we're adversaries, me against her, but man, we're on the same team. You know, that's the beauty of marriage. And as a team, we either win together or we lose together. And so in these moments where she, if, if I can show up humble with an open heart, She's extending me grace. She's seeking to understand me. I'm mm-hmm. seeking to understand her. I mean, that's how these conversations go really well. It just requires humility and an open heart. But we don't, we don't do that. We still try to power through these conversations, and that that when both people are prideful and closed down, that never work. Well, yeah, I think what you said on the last show, and this is what I tell people too: you got to step back. Right. You got to take the time out because yeah. nothing good is going to come of this if Never. we try to power through it. Right. So that, that's being when when God says the love, the greatest commandment, love him and love others as you love you. I think a part of loving myself is to learn how do I, you know, Proverbs, you know, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. In other words, me keeping my heart open is the most loving thing I can do for me. And that's when God's able to work through me and love through me. And that, that, that's the, 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 the sweet spot Mm. is when our heart is wide open and we're humble, then we can deal with whatever we need to deal with in our marriage. Then then I'm more likely to really be empathic and want to understand Aaron and, and all that stuff that we long to do. We just don't do when our hearts shut down. It's just impossible to do that. Hi, everybody. It's Richard Beatty, and uh, you're listening to Mind Matters, a conversation Rita Schulte had a few weeks ago, right before Valentine's Day, on marriage with Greg Smalley. Well, we're going to do a first here on Mind Matters. We are going to have Rita Schulte uh, do uh, part three. So next week you'll hear um, is the conversation on sex. Not that we haven't talked about sex before, but uh, this is going to be a part three, and uh, only with Dr. Greg Smalley can we do a part three uh, of a conversation. If you want the whole thing, uh, go to RitaSchulte.com, that's S-C-H-U-L-T-E, and you can get a copy of the entire hour-and-a-half conversation that uh, we had with Dr. Greg Smalley uh, from Focus on the Family, and that is, uh, again, available at RitaSchulte.com, S-C-H-U-L-T-E. And for Rita Schulte and myself, Richard Beatty, have a great week.